This is a Suno India production and you are listening to Dear Parya. Hi, I'm Priya and I'm Rakesh. We are the hosts of Dear Pari, India's first narrative podcast on child adoption. This podcast is being brought to you by Suno India, a multilingual podcast platform for issues that matter. disabilities and special needs seldom find home in india within india only 47 children were adopted in 2017-18 it's a very small number in such a big country where we have around 25000 parents waiting to adopt for more than 2 years for a child under 2 even children with rectifiable disabilities like cleft lip and vision or hearing disabilities are often ignored in the system Kalpana Jayashankar and her husband adopted their daughter when she was 3 years old. Soon after adopting her, they realized that she was vision impaired. We spoke to Kalpana to understand how she navigated through the adoption and special needs landscape. I'm Kalpana Jayashankar. Um, I am based in Canberra, in Australia, and I am mum to a 11, going on 21-year-old girl whom we adopted from uh, Pune um, about seven and a half years ago. By my professional background is um, I started off as a chartered accountant, and then after this whole parenting journey happened, I was really um, I was really curious about the nurture versus nature side of things so I uh, took a big break from my work um just to focus on my parenting and caring duties and I went back to university and now I've retrained as a teacher so I'm currently teaching in primary schools uh, so that's basically my sort of background could you tell us a bit about your adoption journey um you said you adopted from Pune 7 years ago if you could sort of give us a bit more into how old was how was your daughter and yeah so basically because we're based overseas we had to go through a very rigorous intercountry adoption process which took several years i think from the time we applied to the time we actually got placed might have taken easily i would guess about 6 uh, or 7 years it was so long in the pipeline that we even forgot about it we didn't pursue it or you know we were not feverish about it we just put it in there and we were waiting in the system and all the home visits happened and the home assessments happened and at one point of time i think australia had stopped this whole program um because there were some legal issues so i think they had gone cold on um intercountry adoptions from india Thank you.
one fine day we got a call saying that yes we had been placed and you know we were sent pictures uh, of muni our daughter and we were asked that we wanted to go ahead and um my husband and i decided yes and at that time i think she was about 3 years old 3 or 3 and a half and by the time we picked her up and she came home she, it would have been four and a half so yeah it took a good six months from placement till the time we could actually uh, bring her home and she was the first case in the country who came through a new legislation and things were a little bit more complicated and we had to wait for the court orders and you know her naturalization and complying with the australian side of things so a few legislative changes had taken place which made the process longer but yeah from the time uh, she was placed to the time she actually came it was about um, uh, i would say 6 or 7 months uh, i went to india i picked her up from pune and we were in india for uh, around 8 weeks till we got her passport and visa and all that sorted um yeah and then she arrived in australia actually as an australian citizen uh, the first case where she was fully naturalized before entering the country so it worked out well for her when we talked briefly on facebook uh, you said that she has um, a condition yeah she is uh, got a genetic condition where she is um, vision impaired she can't see when the sun comes out and she can see pretty well at night so she is uh, a low vision child and she's legally blind um and uh yes that is um a condition that she had from birth i'm guessing right did you opt to choose a child with special needs or when you got the reference is that when you found out that she had this condition like that she was legally blind uh it's interesting that you asked because um when we went through the process and the age matching was done we were told that we'd be placed with a older child um and we were okay with that um we were told that it you know the child could be anywhere between um one and a half to four or five years old and they asked us if that would be okay and we said that's fine but we at no point in the process had any inkling about the fact that she had a vision condition uh, though it was um, it's 100% apparent as soon as we saw her we knew that this was um, you know something um she was struggling with but at no point of the time in the process though we had got clear uh, clear chits from whoever did the medical assessments in india and the adoption agency saying that she had no health issues um the fact was that yes she was a child with special needs and we got to know about that only after we uh, met her and at that point of time uh, we realized that she has a condition and for us then you know we had to make a quick decision on how we felt about it and we decided you know if i had a natural child and who was born to me with a certain condition what would i do and the answer was very clear you would just go ahead so yes it was quite confronting when we actually went through the process but um um seeing how things have panned out since then we had plenty of support uh, in this part of the world where we are to give us some help in guiding through the whole uh, adoption journey you know post adoption journey in dealing with a whole range of issues including vision impairment grief loss and trauma so on and so forth so um yes that's how it worked out for us padma thank you for sharing this so candidly um so one of the things that stops a lot of parents um in india with regards to considering children with special needs is the fact that there are not a lot of 
facilities available um you just mentioned that you had a whole lot of support in you know in australia where you are based out of could you sort of give us an idea um into like what what was some of the support systems that you had and what you think could actually help parents in india also make such a decision yeah so basically adoption according to me is not meant for the faint hearted especially if you're adopting uh, older child or a child with additional needs um you need to be ready to face up to the challenges that uh, will come up um and uh, that's something all uh, parents who are wishing to adopt need to be aware of but as i said just as um, any birth mother would say if you have a child with uh, additional needs you know you just it's a challenge and you just deal with it you see where the child is you get the assessments done you see what help they need to help them get uh, you know started into school to make them feel that they are included you know they are part of a inclusive setup and do what it takes so i'm sure there are plenty of parents even in india who have biological children and they have figured out that the child might be visually impaired or might have down syndrome or hearing impaired or many other special needs so um when the challenge comes i believe the solution is also part of it it's embedded in it as long as you're open to seeking help and receiving help and uh, you're doing the best i'm sure you know a path will sort of uh carve itself out if you know what i mean you don't have to know everything up front but you just have to be ready that yes i'm going to support this child uh and give them a fair go in life and that's what we had in mind we just wanted to make sure that she gets the best um you know she gets the best opportunities and uh, which and she gets a fair chance at um, excelling or blossoming into the best person she can be so we were very committed to that and slowly and slowly we had different um, uh, things come up for us so as soon as we came we got in touch with a few um, um agencies that work with uh, low vision children and they put us on to their early childhood experts who explained to us uh what it would be from a child's perspective and you know we went through a whole range of training ourselves to acquaint ourselves on how the world would be from her vision which was very very limited at that point of time um and then we got all the help that she needed so she needed help with occupational therapy we gave her that she needed help with uh, um just getting about and we got a mobility orientation um person with that we thought she might need braille but um she's doing pretty well with regular printed text both with reading and writing so that wasn't there but we needed a whole lot of adaptive technology where she could enlarge texts to read or where we had to get certain software installed on the computer for her to read better uh, you know more tactile learning things like that that's why i really got interested in the whole learning teaching and learning thing and i went and retrained as a teacher but yes we got all the supports i was also part of an intercountry adoptive parents network and and those parenting workshops really helped because um as you can well imagine padma you are literally pulling out a child from one environment and bringing them to another and you know it's so foreign to them coming to a foreign land new parents new smells new country you know new language everything is new so it must have been quite overwhelming for her and she did fantastically well in adapt- adapting herself to her new environment um and it's quite traumatic as well for all parties involved um and we just sought the help and having access to other parenting groups who had gone through a similar journey or who were going through a similar journey in those early 
stages of adoption really helped me deal with some of the day-to-day challenges I was having then. There is already, there is a stigma, sort of a stigma when it comes to adoption. And that was part of something that we had discussed um, quite a bit and, you know, in in our earlier season of this podcast. Um, and then when it comes to adopting a child with special needs, it's a, a different layer of conversation altogether. Um, so just in terms of the kind of reactions you got, um, how was it like when you when you adopted a child with special needs? For instance, I tell you, like when we adopted, you know, one of the most common co- reactions that we get got or even continue to get even today is um, you did such a noble deed. So just coming to sort of those kind of conversations, how did you deal, did you, did you firstly, did you actually face any of those conversations or any of those remarks? And how did you deal with those kind of, um, where you heard having to sort of tackle, you know, or explain to people what adopting is and also adopting a special needs child? Like, did you face pity or, you know, I don't know, was there some amount of glorification that happened? Yeah, I think that that's there and we still continue to get that. Oh, she's so lucky and, you know, oh, you're, she's so lucky to have your parents and you've done such a great thing. I think that's um, that's what people perceive and, you know, they're free to their opinions. We're not here to um, judge them or um, reverse their um, opinion on anything. But all we say is that, look, it's been very enriching for us and uh, we are lucky to have her because she's such an exceptionally... Um, courageous and compassionate and intelligent girl so you know we feel our lives have been enriched by her so it's the other way around so you know we just flip it around when someone makes a comment like that to us and we continue to get that uh, because we've always been very open about the fact this is how our family came together you know I even posted online on Facebook all my friends know her school knows parents know on both sides so it's been very open um now, as she's growing older, I take permission before I share her story. In fact, even before this conversation, I asked her, you know, can I talk about this? So now, you know, we're becoming, um, as she's growing into a more sensitive period of teenage years, you know, I think it's important to get her buy-in. But from day one, we sort of normalized having this conversation about adoption and uh, exploring a whole range of emotions that we were going through as a family. Uh, so it's okay for her to talk about anything that she wants to at any point of time. So the first thing was normalizing it at home. And secondly, we had a very supportive network of family and friends. I think that made a huge difference. We had this whole community welcoming us and welcoming her and celebrating her every achievement along with us. So I think all that positive uh, support that we got definitely helped us to um, um, take on the challenge. And um, yes, but, you know, people say what they want to, especially when you have a child with special needs. I remember being in Chennai's Shankaranetralaya waiting for a very crucial eye test. Um, and one lady randomly coming, <laughs> walking up to me and telling me, oh, why is your daughter squinting? You know, why is she saying like this? Um, and it's all because of you. You didn't take care of her properly during pregnancy. You know, things like this. Uh, or I might find I'm traveling in the bus or train and some random person might come and say, Uh, why is your daughter's eyes closed or you know why she got her book so close to her nose or why does she have the ipad so close to her and i just tell them to back off and i tell her she's a low vision child and be careful about what you say so i think a little bit of education as and when is needed is required just a touch of it and also building strength and capacity in her Um, previously when people would say some things like that in front of her 
she'd get quite upset. But now I tell her, you know, their people are just curious. They don't know. So don't, don't take it too personally. It's, it's fantastic that you've been open with her since the beginning. And I truly, you know, respect that you actually took her, you know, told her about this interview before we did it. Um, I think you're right. It's such a sensitive age. And um, at 11, you also start having so many questions. So coming to that, like how, um, you know, how do you deal with questions that come from your daughter about, um, about her adoption? Also, like, what are the kind of questions that you often get from her? If, if that's okay for you to share, otherwise it's completely all right not to answer this. She's had many issues about her birth parents, how she got here, you know. She has had to think about how she ended up in an adoption agency in the first place and how she came here. And So as the years, so when she was four, her perspective was different, so the questions were different. When she was eight, she was growing up, the questions were different. And now she's 11 questions are different you know now the questions are more like um, which part of India are you from which part of India am I from and you know she's from Maharashtra so she's very curious about anybody she meets uh, who is from Maharashtra or Pune you know she's just intrigued by that part of the world and um, she we haven't forced uh, so we are from South India we, yes, we speak Tamil at home but when she came she knew only Marathi, so it was really interesting because I didn't know Marathi and she didn't know any of the languages that we spoke. Um, and suddenly, I don't know from where, she started speaking a lot of Hindi. And that's what saw us through the first six months, you know, because we knew Hindi and she knew Hindi and that's how it started. But for the first month, we had no idea what she was saying and she had no idea what we were saying. It was really interesting. So the questions, I think, are very age, depending on their developmental cycle where they are at and I'm sure as she goes through the teenage years and as she's exploring her past her, and her identity those questions will change and we are very honest with her we um, we don't um, you know we acknowledge the question but we also acknowledge the fact that we don't have many answers and we've shared with her whatever we've known and we'll continue doing that we really want to um, also understand um, of course, in your case, you said you didn't know, um, you know, that she had special needs. But like in India, domestically, um, even in international adoptions, at this, at the current, in the current process, um, you can actually choose a child with special needs. Um, and uh, last year, I thought this was, I think, 2017-18. Um, within India, only 47 children with special needs were adopted, um, which is a tremendously small number for the size of country that we are and also with the we have I think like 25,000 parents waiting to adopt children and only 47 say of those adopted children with special needs so say someone is listening to this podcast and they're considering adopting a child with you know mild to moderate or severe special needs is there anything that you would like to sort of tell 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 them I think it's a mixed bag so you have to be open with open to any of the challenges that might come up. Normally, um, there might be more need, even if the adoption agency discloses that this child has this particular need, there might be other needs which haven't been uh, covered or which are lying unmasked at that stage. So there might be multiple needs. Um, so parents have to be very clear why they're going into this whole thing. If you're going with the intention that, of doing something for yourself, then I think uh, something for yourself in the sense, you know, people feel a, feel a gap in their lives or they feel 
need to parent and the whole adoption is a response to their needs, then they may run into trouble. But if you're going with an open mind and saying, I'm bringing this child to be the best version of who they can be, you know, you take the focus and put it on the child. Then as you go along the track, even if problems come, if you have an open mind, solutions will also come. You know, you need to have the faith that solutions will also come. Uh, in my case, because of uh, how things panned out, I had to take myself off. You know, uh, in Australia, there was a role that when you bring a child home, you are not working for one year. But for me, that one year ended up being five, five, six years because I needed to be there uh, to form those relationships and give all the intervention and support to bring her to a point where she is um, doing really, really well in a mainstream classroom with minimal support, uh, you know, minimal um, special assistance. She's fully integrated to get to come to that point. We had to go through a journey and that could happen only if I dedicated myself to the course. So yeah, parents need to be willing to make that investment of time, energy um, and go with open eyes and know that this is a commitment, you know, this is a lifelong commitment uh, as you commit to any other relationship in your life. This is a lifelong commitment. The child is coming to you. You have a duty of care and the trust uh, that you have to earn from the child. You have to keep all that in mind as you go down the learning and nothing to feel scared because uh, there's so many talents also they come. Uh, I don't think having a disability means that uh, it closes all doors or all options Every soul that comes into the planet has their own song to sing, has their own purpose to live out and, you know, has their own message to give, which is all good. And as long as we as parents are connected to discovering those strengths, which are inherent in each child, I think we should be fine um, and, you know, go on the right track. But as I said, it's not for the faint hearted. Um, you need to be ready for the challenge of anything that any problems that come up, you know, being ready to solve it. So as long as you have that firm commitment and mindset, it should work out perfectly fine for all, all those who are looking at uh, uh, adopting children from India with special needs. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dear Pani. For more updates, do check out our newsletter. You can subscribe to it on snowindia.in. As independent producers, we rely a lot on your support. So please contribute on our support page at snowindia.in. As always, I would like to thank Team Suno India for their support in putting together these episodes. Rakesh Kamal, our production lead for editing. Tarun Nirvan, our digital lead for technical support. Kunika Balotra and Vaishali Pandian for research and reportage. Nikhil Rao of Indian Ocean for original music. And Priyanka Kumar for the incredible artwork. Subscribe to Suno India.